0: I'll reach my hand out in the dark and wait for yours to interlock. I'll wait for you.
1: From Chicago, it's the Old St. Pat's Podcast Sunday Series, a show that highlights weekly reflections from Old St. Patrick's Church. How can one express the comfort it provides when the mother figure in your life held your hand through life's ups and downs? And in turn, when acting in the motherly role to another, how can one express the feeling of honor to be in this sacred position? This past Sunday, as we celebrated Mother's Day, Old St. Pat's member, Jill Warble, shared her personal story as a tribute to all mother figures in our lives that sacrifice so much for us and provide that hand for us to hold.
2: I first met Jill when she was a, a young adult. She's still a young adult. Uh, but I met her when she was Jill Carestes, uh, who hails from the South Side and graduate of U of I. And I met her with a young guy by the name of Jeff Roble. And I can remember they came here and they got very involved at Old St. Pat's and were wedding volunteers and were involved with uh, our foundation's youth ministry uh, for a long while. And then um, the question was asked and the answer was given. And next thing you know, I had the great privilege of presiding at their wedding here at Old St. Patrick's. And uh, they've gone on and uh, brought two beautiful boys into the world, um, John and Jackson. And so uh, she is a a wonderful young mom, and Jeff's a wonderful dad, and uh, she's got a powerful story. And uh, we were, you know, in light of the fact that it's Mother's Day, but yet we're under these different circumstances where we're doing the live stream, and we're not all here, but at Old St. Pat's, as well as many churches around I guess Chicago and other places, you know, Mother's Day is a day to, uh, to hear the testimony and to hear a beautiful testimony on the power of this thing called uh, Mother's Day. And, um, and we talked about it as a team and said this year more than ever is uh, why we should really do this. And uh, I said, well, I got the perfect person for it. And um, so I called Jill and she said yes. And so I'm just so delighted and so honored that she is here to, uh, to offer the homily this day. And so please enjoy Joe Roble today.
0: Thank you. Good morning. It's been seen over 4.2 million times. It's a YouTube video of pop star Andy Grammer singing his chart-topping hit, Don't Give Up On Me. What's special about it though, is that he sings with PS 22, that's public school 22. They're a youth choir 10 years old, 60 to 70 of them in New York City. As Andy strums out his tune, they're in plain auditorium in blue and red t-shirts. And when he ends, he gives a sigh. He says, oh, this song, these kids, wow. The choir director kind of quiets the kids down. Wait, wait, I think Andy wants to say something and he wipes a tear from his eye and he says, this was really, really special. This was one of the best days of my life. What strikes me about it is the kids choir is special for sure and the words of the song are special, but it's really about the fact that when I think of it, his, the song itself can provide a framework of me sharing my story with you. I'm Jill Robel. I've been a parishioner here, like Father Tom said, for 17 years. Jeff and I were married right here by Father Tom, our dear friend and pastor. And as he mentioned, I have two boys, John, age nine, and Jackson will be five at the end of the summer. They were baptized just there in the back of the church at the baptismal font. We live in Elmhurst, about 20 miles west of here, and we love it there. But we still come every Sunday to celebrate Mass here. And when we can't come here, we celebrate, like you all, via live stream, at home. And I have to say, while there's this rumor that the camera makes you gain 10 pounds, I'm sure that you can see that the camera actually makes your hair look thick and luscious and full, which means, Father Tom, you look fantastic from home. And I wasn't sure how that joke was going to land because there's literally no one here and it's as awkward as you may make it seem. So I'm really grateful for the choir today for more than one reason. But we're here because something sudden happened something dramatic and something sad. And Angie Grammer's first four verses will help you share a bit of my story. It was sad and dramatic, but as much as uh, it also means, it's how much I love being a mom and being a mother. This first verse says, "I will fight. I will fight for you. I'll always do until my heart is black and blue." Ah, oh, Jeff and I were so excited to start a family, and we were pregnant with what we referred to as Baby J, and it was exciting. But then suddenly and sadly, at 26 weeks pregnant, I found out that I had cancer, eye cancer to be specific. Paroidal melanoma, And so, I was presented with a few options for treatment. One included radiation. But that didn't seem to make sense to me. I had a baby in utero, after all. I didn't want to harm the baby. I was already, as you can imagine, a protective mom, ready to fight for my cubs. So instead, I chose enuculation. In plain English, that means the surgical removal of your eye. I hate that I even know what that word even means and that it's even in my vocabulary. But baby Jay and I went into surgery and we came out the other side. I remember how the OR nurse said to me, your baby is strong. And I already felt a sense of pride. And a few months later, John Robert was born and I was officially a mom. And John Robert was officially my next True love. Which brings me to Andy Grammer's second verse, which says, I will stay. I will stay with you. We'll make it to the other side like lovers do. John stayed with me. We made it to the other side, and we were true loves. I'm sure there's many of you wishing that you could get to the other side of a lot of things right now. This a global pandemic, maybe a diagnosis, or maybe you're trying to discern what choice to choose like I was. Like Andy reminds us, don't give up. The first 18 months or so of John's life was pretty normal. So 2011, 2012, we were a new family of three, adjusting to what that meant. And I was adjusting to life with a prosthetic eye. Physically, wasn't a problem, I did just fine. Emotionally, it was incredibly difficult. You know, in our culture, they tell new moms, you know, to focus on getting their pre-baby body back. But for me, that I was never coming back. And it was really, really hard to learn to speak because it doesn't move very well. And so you always have the impression of having a bit of a lazy eye. It's really upsetting. Fast forward, Um, a couple of months, I also made some changes in my work life. I was really fortunate. I love working. I had a great career at PwC as a consultant, and my work family there was actually more than just colleagues. They were friends. But I decided to make a change, the corporate life, up to Deerfield to the Walgreens corporate headquarters where I joined the team. And just a few weeks into my new job with my new family, I got another sense of really unexpected and sad news. I had to learn new terms, metastatic disease. For those of you in plain English, that meant the cancer was back. And this time, not in my eye, but in my liver. So with the love of our mother-in-law, Bonnie, and our father-in-law, Bob, they came into town. We belovedly call them Fweetie and Babu to take care of baby John, who was a toddler at this point. And Jeff, my husband, my rock, my knight in shining armor, well, he helped research the best metastatic ocular melanoma people in the country, and it brought us to the city of love, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, to Thomas Jefferson Hospital, under the care of Dr. Sato. The meeting pretty much went like you can imagine it went. Uh yes there's treatments, no, they don't really work, no, there's no cure, y- yes, we can help you, uh, but no, don't, don't worry about going back to work. Um, just get your affairs in order, love on your family, um, and we'll be here. Now, it was as an Illinois graduate, like Father Tom mentioned, I was a math major. So I started asking about the numbers and the statistics, and they were presented plainly and directly, 12 to 24 months on average. My, this was a lot to absorb. And interestingly enough, while I was living sort of minute by minute and hour by hour, we were also looking for our future and towards our future too. After all, we were a young family of three, and I always envisioned John having a sibling. So we learned another set of terminology. Fertility preservation. Again, in plain English, that basically means use the best of science to try to freeze your embryos. And then if maybe at some point in the future, hopefully sometime in the future, you'd be able to use them again. So we did that too. And then we focused on living and treatment. And you know what? It turned out pretty well. And I did return to work. And after a couple of Months, which turned into a couple of years, we decided that we were one of the fortunate ones and we decided to pull the lever on using the the best of fertility preservation. My heart goes out to many of you out there who are really experiencing the difficulty of bringing a child into this world, whatever that looks like for you. And it is not lost on me that what we chose to do was, again, another set of new terms, surrogacy, It's very complicated, but it's very beautiful. So that's what we did. We found an agency. We got tons of emotional support. And we proceeded forward, and we met the beautiful Miss Rochelle, our gestational carrier, who brought my second son, Jackson Julius, who is our biological child, into this world in August 2015. It's also not lost on me that I live a life of extreme privilege. For everything I've just told you, I am one of the luckiest girls in the world. The best of medical science, the best of a support community, including those of you at Old St. Pat's, and the financial resources to bring forth a life in this way. And most importantly, Miss Rochelle, who gave selflessly of her life and her body to bring forth in her womb our biological son. I remember holding him in the night with his 10 perfect little fingers gripping mine and thinking, this is such a dream. What a dream. Which brings me to Andy Grammer's third verse where he says, I'll reach my hand out in the dark and wait for yours to interlock. I'll wait for you on Mother's Day, I know it can be particularly challenging for those of you who really want to be a mom. And so here's what I'll say. Don't give up. Believe in miracles. Believe that you can hold your dream in the middle of the night. A short while after that, I went back to work. And it was busy at the office. It was early 2016, and I was continued to work for Walgreens even now to this day, but at that time, and was blessed with a big project, the largest U.S. retail acquisition ever. And I was the HR lead for Walgreens' purchase of Rite Aid. I make mention of this because Rite Aid's headquarters are in Camp Hill, Pennsylvania. And at the same time, my liver acted up again. So after a long day of corporate meetings, my colleagues from Walgreens would get on planes and they would head back to Chicago, and I rent a a car and drive the several hours from Camp Hill to Philly for liver treatment. Dr. Gonzalez, she's my interventional radiologist and one of my favorite people on the planet, she would greet me. Oh, you're just here for a tune-up, she would say. The casual, chipper nature of it always would bring my anxiety down. You got a tricky lesion, Jill. We're gonna try something a little new. I was all for it, and I'm glad we did, and I'm glad to tell you that that was the last time I had my liver treated in Philadelphia over four years ago. It worked. It was a miracle. I also wish I could share with you that's where my story ends, but there's two more important parts that I'd like to share this morning. About a year and a half after that, late in 2017, I was surprised again, not with my liver this time, but with an even more unique set of circumstances. Again, I told you I was one of the luckiest girls in the world. I seemed to win the medical lottery multiple times in my life. I had a mass in my left eye socket, extremely rare. They took it out surgically, but this time I elected to add on radiation, head radiation in fact, just to make sure everything was gone and safe. So in December 2017, Jeff and I packed back up, back out to Philly, to Thomas Jefferson Hospital. Now, head radiation requires a mask, and they fit it to you. And it serves a very, very important purpose, which is if you don't want to move or cough or laugh, such that the radiation would go somewhere it's not. I love that radiation mask. But I'll tell you what, it's tight. Like the tightest thing you could ever imagine. You can't move your lips. You can't blink your eyes. And in fact, you have to lay on a table, and they position you just right, and as they put the mask over, they have to kind of bolt it or click it down in place. Click, click, click. It's not a long treatment, but it is quite agonizing, as you can imagine, claustrophobic. And so they ask you if you'd like to play some music, and I picked Christmas carols. And before I knew it, Um, Someone said, what is that noise? And I didn't know what they were referring to. And then someone said, is somebody humming? And then I realized it was me. So I gave out a little bit of a chuckle because I couldn't speak. "Mm -hmm." And they said, is that you humming? And my only response could be, "Mm mm-hmm. And then the most beautiful, amazing thing happened. They started to sing with me. We didn't stop. And they were terrible they had terrible voices but it wasn't the point here we were in the basement of a hospital at christmas time the best of humanity coming forth to help a young mom with a life-saving treatment and just like andy Grammer, there wasn't anything necessarily outstanding about singing with those kids in that auditorium public school 22. it was simple Same here. There was nothing outstanding about my radiation treatment in the basement. It was simple. But just like Andy, when he said, Wow, that was really special. I felt the same way, too. I returned home and completed another round of immunotherapy, which is a systemic drug. It comes through an IV. And I was just about ready to return from work when my body got a little confused. And by a little... I mean a lot. The drugs started to attack my colon. So I went into the hospital here at Northwestern, and about a week into the visit, I was surprised by the fact that I ended up passing out and hemorrhaging. They raced me into a surgical suite, and I lost so much blood that they put me in an induced coma on a ventilator in the ICU. This was an ordinary day, middle of the afternoon, 11 a.m., My husband, Jeff, was at the office, and they called him, and they said, well, Jill had a bad morning. Okay, where is she? She's in the ICU. Okay, well, what now? How bad? What are we talking? 50-50, they said. They said, oh, no, 50-50, she may lose her colon. They said, no, 50-50, that she makes it out of this alive. My mom, as you can imagine, was devastated and she's a woman of faith, so she called to have the Catholic Sacrament of the Last Rites issued here, just a few miles away. I know that this story may seem heavy, but I have a spoiler alert. I'm here, and I'm speaking to you, so I'll tell you, you'll know where this turns out. And my mom plays a really important role in this story, really important. She's my rock, my beacon of faith. And she was there every day at the hospital, holding my hands, bringing me treats. She's a pharmacist, so she'd keep good check on all my meds. And we're both basketball fans and sports fans, and it was March time, so we got to watch a lot of March Madness on TV, which was fantastic. Waking up, being on a ventilator, is really tough. Waking up From being on a ventilator is terrifying. You feel like you're gagging, because you are. They have to tie your hands in the bed because they don't want you to pull it out and hurt your esophagus. In my case, I need glasses or contacts to see, so I couldn't see anything. So you can't see, you can't speak, you can't move. Having someone there means a lot. On this Mother's Day, I want to give a special shout out to the medical community, the essential workers. All this COVID talk and ventilator talk is really hard for me, as you can imagine. And it, my heart breaks into a million pieces knowing that many of you, all you want is your mom. And maybe your mom can't be there because you don't have one. Or maybe your mom can't be there because she never showed up in the way that you needed her to. Or maybe your mom can't be there because the hospital systems in our world can't have you side by side. And in that case, essential workers, thank you. Because you are mothering the world right now. You are holding our hands. You're explaining what's happening. You play a really important part of Mother's Day, man or woman alike. And so from there, I ended up um, getting better um, and it was a you know, beautiful experience, um, but I was still in the hospital for kind of uh, a bit of time but I can imagine that there's a lot of people out there who fell on that other 50%. Being a math major, I know it can go either way. And so today on Mother's Day is a really hard day. I think of my girlfriend Carolyn from high school. She lost her son Joey at age eight. He loved the color orange. He was a joke teller. It's a beautiful spirit. She wants to be a mom today. Today's a really hard day. Can we pray for her? Or maybe Francesca who lost her son Garrett at age 21 suddenly this year, and his longtime nanny, Henrika, who, while not officially his mom, considered herself one. This is their first Mother's Day without Garrett. Can we pray for them today? Today is a really hard day. So it brings me to Andy Grammer's fourth verse, which talks about, even when I'm down to my last breath, Even when they say there is nothing left, don't give up on me. And so, for those that are dealing with life and death scenarios, COVID, diagnosis, um, divorce, or even, and I mean this not to make light of it, but just general e learning, being stuck inside, trying to help your littles, don't give up. Believe in miracles. And while Andy's words might matter, and maybe mine do too, I loved the gospel today for the true words that are our North Star. It starts out with, Let not your hearts be troubled. And it feels like they're talking directly to us, as the Word of God often does. It's hard to be struck at home. And I know for those like myself who complain about e learning and passwords, I can imagine those of you out there would love to have a child that can even learn from e-learning. Maybe they're on an individual education plan or an IEP. I love Thomas in this story. He doubts, how can we do this? How can I do this without you? He says to Jesus, and Jesus says, ah, just relax. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Just believe. And so on Mother's Day, whether you're inspired by Andy Grammer's song, public school 22 YouTube videos, my John, who gives you confidence that somebody can stay with you and get you to the other side, or my Jackson, who could tell you that you can hold your dream in the dark. Or me. That you can get through in life and death matters when you're down to your last breath. Thomas doubted. Jesus gives us the words. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't give up. Believe in miracles. And happy Mother's Day.
1: announcements and events. May is the month of Mary. And to celebrate, OSP Family Ministries created a virtual May crowning for all families. To view this special May crowning video that includes beautiful music by the Children's Choir, please visit oldstpats.org. On Sunday, May 17th, we'll be hosting our first ever electronic food drive for little brothers, friends of the elderly. Every year in the spring and fall, we replenish their food pantry with suitable items for seniors who just don't have enough food to make it through until the end of each month. To learn how to participate, please visit tinyurl.com slash lbfefooddrive. Would you like the chance to connect with another member of Old St. Pat's? Maybe talk about how Mass was this past Sunday or ask how they're getting through the pandemic? If you would like to be connected with an OSP pen pal, let us know by filling out the form available at our website. This is a great way to stay connected to other members and friends at Old St. Pat's. Thank you for listening to today's episode. The homily was originally given at the 10 a.m. live stream Mass on Sunday, May 3, 2020, by Father Tom Hurley and Jill Warble. For more information about all resources available, visit our website at oldstpat's.org. To stay up to date with new episodes, please follow us on Spotify and Google Podcasts. Find us on Twitter at Old St. Pat's and on Instagram at Old St. Pat's Chicago. I'm Kate Anderson. You've been listening to the Old St. Pat's Podcast.
3: If I ask you to be with me, by Will you bring me to light, to light?